Well, hey, everybody. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. And dark day for Mississippi State, uh, probably one of the darkest in the history of Mississippi State. And Charlie, um, you know, that's one of the things. We, we kind of felt like we, we needed to get together and and just kind of talk about uh, you know, the past few days. And, you know, the first and foremost, this is not about us. This, of course, I, we thought to get together and maybe share some stories and talk about Coach Leach and his love of Startwell. And this is not a time about building us up at all. Man, just looking back, and I'll tell you this, the, the first thing that comes to mind is he came to Startwell two and a half years ago or three years ago now. And it is a big loss for Mississippi State. And I tell you this, I, I am very fortunate. I'll talk about it 30 years from now, about I was fortunate for three years to work with Mike Leach. I think I had a lot of perceptions about Mike Leach before I met him, most of which proved to be wrong. Obviously, there is this character that you see as Mike Leach. But what I came to understand in my time of dealing with him is that Mike was unique in a lot of ways, and, and we know the sound bites and the sound clips and all those things. But it wasn't an act. I mean, that's that's who the guy was. <laughs> it was. It's who he was. But the thing I think that I will always remember about Mike Leach is that he didn't care what you did. He didn't care how much money you had. He was genuinely interested in people. And so many times, you see, but I'm not taking, this isn't a shot at anybody else, but you know, a lot of times people come into town and it's immediately, who are the players? Who do I need to connect with? Who are the important people? Mike Leach was as happy hanging out at a roadside dive with three guys working on an oil rig, construction, what have you. He he didn't care about your status. He was just at an alumni no show. No, at an alumni event, he was just as comfortable with a 15-year-old kid that comes up wanting to sign a football or the bartender, or someone who was there working, than he was anybody. And to me, that's what – he was as genuine and he was as just real. You know what I'm saying? He was just as real of a guy as you ever wanted to be around. And, you know, I, I was I was thinking this morning coming to work, and, um, of course, the, the news hit, and it was uh, the news that we were dreading, but you kind of felt like it was coming. And, you know, I started thinking back to and just kind of laughing – about some of the things that he would say and, and you know, just when we were around each other. And, and hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not one – I feel for these players, man. I feel for the players. I feel for the coaches because every time you said something about Mike Leach in front of a player or a coach, the first thing they'd always do is they'd laugh. And they would start talking about – I mean, you remember we talked to, to Luke Falk a couple of years ago, and he was a you know longtime, co- longtime player quarterback at, at Washington State, still holds the Pac-12 records. And we said, all right, so what was it like playing for Coach Leach? The first thing he does is laughs. You know, Gardner Minshew said, hey, I've never seen a guy, and I hadn't either. And I grew up in an area where people used a lot of Copenhagen. <laughs> I have never seen anybody in my life put that much Copenhagen in his mouth. And I've made that run for him at 2 o'clock in the morning trying to find a convenience store that was open trying to find him some Copenhagen. And he, he was just a – I kind of attribute it to it's almost like your dad that, you know, being the coach and you get finished with an event and you say, all right, y'all want to go eat? Hey, do we want to sit somewhere nice? Do we want a steak? Do we want to go somewhere of Italian? He's the guy who looks and says, is there a Popeye's around? Is there a Whataburger around? I mean, he's just – 
He was that guy, and he was just as comfortable talking. He would talk to the lady at the cash register at Popeye's, and that's what you had to get him away from. No, oh, because he would talk for an hour. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was the thing. Couldn't get him out of there. I, so the very first time I met Mike Leach was in Key West, and, and I was I had the opportunity to, to be present when Mike was interviewed. We had talked to him on the phone, and then we had flown down, and we were sitting at some – oyster bar someplace right by the dock you know right by the boats and and uh john cohen called mike leach we didn't tell him we were coming and he just said you know hey coach uh wondering uh if you had some time to talk today and heard this yeah you know but keep in mind it's about eleven thirty, which means we probably woke him up okay <laughs> he had not been awake and i'll never forget because john had it on speaker and uh leach says uh so where are you guys today? He says, well, we're about two blocks from your house. And there was this long pause and then just, uh, we'll go Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he said, well, where do you want to meet? He said, well, meet me at the bicycle shop. And so I was like, this was crazy. So we go to a bicycle shop and Mike Leach, straight out of central casting with a wrinkled shirt, cargo shorts, and a cup of coffee about noon. <laughs> Comes walking Comes up, walking. Now we met him at the bike shop. Go to his house and had a chance to spend some time that day, and then went back for another two days. You couldn't do one podcast episode; it would take a series to tell the stories from that trip. Oh well, it's the thing about uh, you know, the conversations that you have with Coach. And I was trying to think this morning about the conversations about football that we had, and I was trying to think about. All the all the things we talked about, I would say football was probably fifteen percent at of, most at most of everything you ever talked about. And talking about the Neshoba County Fair, he was infatuated with the Neshoba County Fair and Williams Brothers and Woodies of Noxapater. It was it was crazy how you could talk to him about those three things, and he talked forever. And of course, you know, with road dogs and things of that nature, and you know, of course, Neil. Neil and Matt have a lot of great stories, and I mean this you know being around those guys even more, but even when you you know, hosted a show with him, he was just a what what have I always told you charlie the the dog talk radio show is a tough hour for broadcasters. It's a tough hour because you're interviewing the same guy for a solid hour and I, I did that what a couple of weeks ago it's been three weeks ago, I guess before the East Tennessee State game and I sent you a text when I left and said that was the easiest hour of broadcasting I've ever had in my life and we may have talked to us just a little bit about football but we talked about sunglasses we talked about where to eat tamales about how to make tamales the greatest tamales the difference in buccaneers privateers and pirates and that's just the way every conversation was you never knew where it was going to take you but here's the thing that that stuck out to me about Mike Leach. It wasn't about, I want to be the guy to pontificate. He was a guy that was going to ask you a bunch of questions. It was almost like he, it, it's in this world, man, that we live in in sports. When you start dealing with a lot of guys that have a lot of egos that are used to barking orders and nobody ever questioning them except in front of a, a media microphone and they don't really give you answers. There was a guy that genuinely asked you questions and really cared about what you had to say. So I go back to another story. When we were down there, he uh, he figured out that I knew Will Rogers, and, and we've talked about this before, that Will had played on the baseball team I coached for a number of years. And Leach uh, looks at me and it just completely ignores questions about scheme and everything else. And he says, well, what positions does he play? 
uh, told him, you know, play center field. Well, does he pitch? What's his motion look like? Does he throw strikes? How many guys did he hit? Does he throw wild pitches? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, I was kind of going back to, well, you know, he's 11. But his thing was, you can't throw strikes when you're 11. <laughs> you can't throw strikes when you're 18. And so we go through all the the different things. I remember one of the things I'd heard about Mike Leach was, I mean, just candidly, and they'll, they'll tell you about this. He worked on Mike Leach time. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, 4 o'clock didn't always mean 4 o'clock. In fact, it might mean 5, 6. You just didn't know. But and it may mean 4 in the morning. No, it absolutely could. So I was trying to get to that point. I didn't want to say to him, do you ever come to work? I was trying to think, how can I ask this in a way that's not disrespectful? And so I said, hey, can you tell me what a typical day in a Mike Leach program looks like? And it was like the moment – it's like if you're throwing a ball and you want to take it back as soon as it leaves your hand. (laughs) That was that question. I wanted to take it back as soon as it came out because I get this, well – and he goes, and he goes, and he goes. And he, it's, we're about 15 minutes into the answer. And I'm like, whew. You know, because you could, didn't have a space you could interrupt him. And, he, and then I'll never forget. Well, that's Monday. On Tuesday. <laughs> I like, just, oh, okay. No, 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 no. no. All right, we heard enough. That's, that's good. <laughs> we got the sample size well, we need. But, you know, he talked about all the things he did about uh, doing walkthroughs in the parking lots. It, it, was, it was a phenomenal experience and one of the other things I will never forget from that trip is so a lot of people have seen John Cohen's tweet with the pirate ship and the Mississippi State flags and that went out right as so we were at Mike Leach's house in Key West and he had signed his MOU and basically agreeing that he was coming to be the head coach in the basic terms of it and so John and you know he's trying to get his tweets out and they're coordinating and they're all talking about send this and this and this and I'm just standing up against the wall. and He walks over and he says, you ever spend any time in Natchez? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, you know, neat place. And, and in the next two minutes, he talked about Natchez, the Natchez Indians, the Choctaw Indians, the Navajo Indians, the use of the Navajo language as code talkers at Iwo Jima to the complexities of the Finnish language, how you couldn't, even though it was a complex language, too many Germans knew Finnish, so you couldn't keep secrets using Finnish people, even though they would have had a great language to use. And then next thing I know, we're talking about Vicksburg, and now we're back to Natchez. And in about two <laughs> minutes, and he, like, never took a breath. And every bit of it just tied together just completely seamlessly. And I'm thinking, this guy just signed a contract to be the head coach, and his first thing that we're talking about is the Navajo Indians in Natchez, Mississippi. You know, it was so funny. You know, you could talk to him about football, and he would <clears throat> he would give you just the the standard answers. And I remember saying, hey, what's the most important thing to you? And he was like, and going back to your point about Will Rogers, it's I need a quarterback that can throw strikes. And he told my son, you know, my son, we talked about Sims all the time. Sims is 11. And and I remember one day that, that he told Sims one night, and he said, hey, let me tell you, you want to be a quarterback? And, of course, that's what Sims wanted to do, be a quarterback. And he says, hey, let me tell you, it doesn't matter how hard you throw it. Son, you got to throw strikes. That's all that matters. You ain't got to, it doesn't matter how far you throw it, how hard you throw it, but you got to throw strikes. And that was the thing that, you know, in Sims, when we're out in the yard, you know, when throwing the football, that's that's the thing that stuck out in his mind, that stuck out in his mind is I got to throw strikes. And he, and he mentions that all the time. I'm, I'm trying to throw strikes. See, you know what I'll always think of is, 
So <laughs> when we went and did our first interview with him in his office, and we were able to do a couple of those, but the very first one we did, we go in and we sit down, and you mentioned a book that you were reading, or a I think it was a Netflix series that you were watching. Yeah, about CIA or something. And next thing you know, he's gone to his bag and pulled out a book on the topic. About counterintelligence. Yeah, it was almost like a Captain Caveman moment. I don't know if you remember Captain Caveman. Oh, yeah. Always reaching his fur and pull out anything. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, oh, I got a book over here. I'm reading on this very topic. It was just like off the wall. But he, um, he had a way. He didn't say things like, that was a strange guy. That was an interesting guy. Or these two guys were, that they were a couple of passive aggressive characters who were really capable. No, hang on. A couple of passive aggressive characters who were capable of doing some really diabolical stuff. Yes. So, um, yeah, that's how it went. <laughs> he was a guy that I never felt uncomfortable around. He was never a guy that I felt like was unapproachable. You'll always have to remember the road dogs trip this year. You know, oh, you man. guys went around the state and you served basically as a moderator on the panel. And you got Leach, Purcell, and Jans. Oh, which was beautiful. And the the plane rides over. You know, we went to a, a museum at the Greenwood Airport where they had these World War II planes. He jumped up in the plane. He was like, "Hey, can I get up in there?" And so he got up in there, and he was like looking at all the controls and. He was listening to the stories, I mean, and just, like I said, very engaged. And, Charlie, that's what's so crazy, man, is everybody thought it was a stick. I don't know. But if if you were around him for 10 minutes, it wouldn't have stick. We walked in his office, and he'd start talking about Cody, Wyoming, and he could tell you the hours that the museum was open. And he didn't like the way that they rotated their exhibits because the exhibit he wanted to see was only available on Wednesday, and he was there on a Tuesday. (laughs) I mean – (laughs) And watched every Netflix story on the man. Talked about Yellowstone and about how it kind of reminded him of Wyoming, Montana, that area, Utah. They do a lot of filming in Utah. But I'll tell you, the thing that I will remember about Mike Leach is the guy was a fundamentally good person, and I would not have known that but for him being here. You know, a lot of times with coaches, you get the, the ranting and the raving. This guy really cared. He really cared about – now, he wasn't the kind of guy that was going to be touchy-feely. It wasn't a Dabo kind of, no. let me run, be the first guy to run out on the field and show you how much I care kind of thing. But he cared about pointing people in the right direction in life, and he was way more tolerant than I think most people would believe. You know, he was very opinionated, you know, in his views on how to do things. But I think what was surprising to me was he never – you know, in this world today, a lot of people have views, and they want to take them out on the other side. He didn't care if you agreed with him or not. He just had his opinion. Well, and that's what you what you just said right there. And kind of reminds me of you learn something from every person you deal with. You learn good and bad from every person you come into contact with. I don't think I've ever seen a, a person more comfortable in their skin. And not to say in an egotistical way he didn't care, but he would like to talk to you. Hey, I'll, let's talk about different sides. But – he didn't care whether if you thought something different than he did. I never saw a person, I don't think I've ever met a person in my life who didn't get caught up in really caring what other people thought. I think, he, you know. <laughs> it's you know, funny you say that. I told somebody that one of the marks of a lot of coaches is that they learn how to ignore the outside noise. Mike 
he didn't care. He didn't have to ignore it. Yeah, he, he didn't at all. And, and genuinely, didn't, and so I was thinking about it this morning too. You talk about a guy who lived his life because he would talk about his family, and first of all, you know, first and foremost, you know, Sharon and the kids. And I mean, I can't imagine what they're going through right now, and I, I hurt for them. But he talked about his family. He talked about his grandkids. He talked about Texas country music. He talked about so many different things that he cared about. He was a world traveler. He went to different places. Hey, this was a cool place I went to. Hey, this was kind of a waste of time. But to me, you know, he didn't eat well. I mean, he he ate what he wanted to eat. And he uh, he threw that Copenhagen in his lip just as much as anybody. But he may be one of the few guys that you look at and say, in the 61 years that he lived, I can't – he probably – he may have, but he didn't give the appearance he had any regrets whatsoever. I mean, you talk about a guy that lived his life how he wanted to live his life, and he was that guy. Oh, absolutely. The other thing that stood out to me was – and we talked about this with him on one of the recent interviews we did. He really liked it here. And I think sometimes you see – coaches who we think, hey, we got to get the up-and-coming guy or we got to get the – Mike Leach chose to come here. And to me, that's – he wanted to win in the SEC. That's the other thing that gets lost. Behind Mike's kind of outward personality and the talk about candy and weddings and all that, that guy wanted to win. And he wanted to be able to come here in the SEC and prove that he could win. And he won eight games this past year with one of the toughest schedules in the country. You know, we, we did an interview with him, that last interview, and I actually listened to that interview come to the office this morning. And I think it was back on November the 7th. We were talking to him about NIL, and it kind of morphed into talking about fitting in Startville, why you like Startville, talking about greasy spoon restaurants around the state and recruiting Mississippi and Mississippi athletes. And I mean, I, I look back at that, and, and he didn't feel well. You could tell. But, he hey, and I was just thinking back to that, and – he did fit this place. I mean, the, he, he fit Startwell, and I think he genuinely – man, I think he genuinely cared about this place and this community because he just fit here. He fit in Pullman, Washington. You know what I'm saying? He fit in Startwell, Mississippi. Yeah, he's a guy who was never going to fit in Athens, Georgia. No. Um, or Gainesville, Florida. But here, I mean, it, it was a fit. I, I don't think we'll ever see anything quite like a Mike Leach again. You know, we live in a world now where everybody's got to be the media darling and they've got to be buttoned up. And yeah, he's he was comfortable in his own skin, man. He didn't he didn't care what he had to say. And hey, he was a good football coach. Here's here's the thing you talked about a minute ago about how a lot of things you thought about him, you thought differently by the time you got to meet him and be around him a lot. And one of them was on the football field about the toughness that he brought to his program. I mean, he was an old-school football coach. He was the type of guy, from a football standpoint, that he, he I felt like I was watching one of the old practices you used to see. You know, it was like old school, we're going to work hard, and I'm, I'm going to bring out a banana and, you know, a, a cup of peaches and an apple or whatever out of my cargo shorts, and I'm going to nibble on it during practice. He was just – he was an old-school football coach. And, and he, I'll tell you this from my day job. Any time that you are around college athletic programs, there are issues, uh, there's speeding tickets, there's drunk driving, there are all these things and worse that complicate college students in general, and they certainly impact athletics. 
we had very, very few issues during the time Mike Leach was here because he wouldn't put up with it. No. And they knew he wouldn't put up with it. And that was the other thing. I think Mike also sometimes got a reputation for maybe being hard on guys. But if people knew the number of players who were allowed to transfer out that really needed to go, he didn't He didn't try to go to the media and defend himself. He didn't try to go out and start planting rumors about people and saying, well, this guy had to go for this reason. It set him back the first year here, I thought, in terms of getting the chemistry and getting that locker room where he wanted it. And I think that laid the groundwork to win seven and now eight and you know, hopefully hopefully to continue on that success as, as we go forward because I think Mike Leach put this program in a good spot. Yeah, we're at a good spot right now. We are at a good spot right now because of the toughness that he instilled in this program. You know, you think about you know how he was as a coach and just, you know, it was one of those deals from a recruiting standpoint and and in today's world of, you know, he's a guy, hey, I want you to come here. I think you, I, I can make you better. I want you to come here. But if you decide not to come here, okay, I'm just going to go find somebody else. And he's almost like the guy who mows his yard and he's wearing white tennis shoes and deep blue socks. Just because those pair of socks were the first one I grabbed out of the drawer. I don't care what anybody drives down the road and thinks of me. I don't care what I look like. I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to do what I'm just going to do it. And to me, the man, I'm telling you, it, he was, a, he was a dude. I mean, there are, there are people in life that are just, just dudes, just guys. And he was one of them. Well, one of the things too, uh, looking at social media today, the number of people that have their Mike Leach stories. And the thing that is perhaps unique about dealing with Mike Leach is those stories don't involve, I stood in line to get an autograph. It had to do with Mike Leach coming up to them. It had to do with Mike Leach hanging out with them. It had to do with Mike Leach walking up to a group and asking a 15-year-old about his injury. You know, I just thought he was he was just different. And I think college football, um, you know, it took a loss today. It was one of the things I think back in when we were kids, I thought college basketball was more interesting when you had your Wimp Sanderson's. Yeah, when you had your Hugh Durham's and your Joby Halls and Lou Carnesecas, all these guys that had those little quirks about them—the sweaters, the sweater vest, the plaid jackets—and we had some characters back then. Now it's a lot more just kind of buttoned up. College football lost a character, and I, I don't mean that because he was so much more. But what I'm saying is, we lost a unique personality. And what uh, and what we're experiencing right now—that's kind of the the thing you don't want to say because, I mean, this is um, almost unprecedented. I mean, the last the last football coach that I can remember passing away during his tenure was, what, Randy Walker at Northwestern? And that was like 2006, and, you know, that's what kind of led into Pat Fitzgerald. He was at 31 at the time, becoming the head coach. And the last time it happened in the SEC was Bo Ryan, and he had never, never coached a game at LSU. He was off on recruiting visits, and – and had a uh, passed away in a plane crash, and you know never coached a game there, and and so what we're going through is is very unprecedented, and that from an overall standpoint, that really doesn't matter. But from our standpoint, is it's a guy that was very ingrained in the city of Startwell, very ingrained with the university. If you needed him to go across campus and talk to the band, or he wanted to go over there and talk to the band, he wanted to go into a classroom. People would not believe 
the difficulties that have existed sometimes with some people of doing things like getting assigned football. Huh. You never, ever had an issue with Mike Leach. In fact, the only issue, I remember we were doing one of our interviews with him, and somebody had reached out to him. It was a, a young person who was in town. They had been a fan of his and wanted to say hello. I mean, he brought the guy in. He was signing books that he just – he was like going back to his closet and <laughs> pulling books out of there. Yeah. He'd be like, hey, we got to give this guy something. Hey, man, where are you from? What do you want to do? Like – and it was one of those things where, you know, I thought maybe you and I to leave for dinner and come back. I mean, he was the <laughs> kind of guy. But, you know, we'll leave it for another day to talk about where does Mississippi State go and all those things. Today's not the day for that. I, I will say I think we're in, we're in good hands. Um, and those decisions will have to be made. But, you know, I hope that – you know, some of the people out there can just find a little sense of decency and just yeah. give it a little time. Yeah, and that's kind of what we need right now. And that's what we wanted to do today is just jump in here and just no structure. And, um, hey, Mike Leach meant a lot to us, meant a lot to a lot of people. Uh, and you know what? I, I, I feel bad already because I've kind of spent this time talking about the character that Mike was, you know, what he was like and, and all that matters. But not only did college football lose a unique person, it lost an innovator. Yeah. I mean, Mike Leach changed college football. And you look at the coaching tree that he has, you can put it up against anybody. Anybody's. Yeah, anybody's. You start thinking about all the guys. I saw Josh Heupel this morning with a tweet. Of course, Josh Heupel went to Oklahoma. You think about Lincoln Riley. You think about Mike Gundy. You think about so many guys. There are a lot of coaches out there that have coaching trees. And I will tell you this right now, Charlie, you would have a hard time finding a more accomplished coaching tree than people that have worked with, played under, coached under Mike Leach. Yeah, he was he was a really good football coach, and he was a really good person. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the, the chance to have been able to know him. Absolutely. And, um, hey, we appreciate you guys uh, listening to us. Uh, we'll be back, uh, you know, later in a few days and – kind of break down bowl stuff. Today's not that day. And, uh, hey, Mike was – I'm very – like I said, 30 years from now, hopefully if I'm still here, I'll be still thinking about uh, how Mike Leach was was a dude. He was a really good guy. And uh, we were both proud – Charlie and I were both proud to, to call him a friend. So, appreciate you guys listening.